Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 1853 podcast of Monmouth College. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing, and this is the 1853 podcast, a weekly program in which we tell you about the people, events, programs, and history that make Monmouth an outstanding National Liberal Arts College. And we try to get that done in about 18 minutes and 53 seconds. In this 20th edition of the 1853 podcast of this 2018-19 school year, we'll hear from Monmouth Associate Chaplain, the Reverend Jessica Hawkison. She'll preview a talk on Wednesday, February 20, about food and faith. Professor Emeritus of Classics Tom Senkowitz will preview his upcoming Fox lecture that will be on Monday night, February 18. And Sports Information Director Dan Nolan will let us know where things stand for the Fighting Scots men's and women's basketball teams after Wednesday night's big games at Lenny Gymnasium. Before we get into this week's program, a few notes about events taking place on campus. A reminder to get your tickets now for the Monmouth Theater Department's first production of the spring semester, and that's Sarah DeLapp's critically acclaimed play, The Wolves. It's directed by Monmouth Theater Professor Doug Rankin, and it will be performed next week, February 21 through 24, in Wells Theater. You can read more about the play at monmouthcollege.edu slash news, and you can purchase tickets at monmouthcollege.edu slash theater, and that's theater spelled R-E. Also, be sure to mark your calendar for Friday, February 22. That's when there will be a reception for the next artist who will have a show at Monmouth College. Wild Things, Nature and the Social Imagination features the works of University of Nebraska art professor Sandra Williams, The works will be on display through April 5 in the Everett Gallery. Of course, that's on the upper level of the college's Hughes Library. A reception for Sandra Williams will be held on the opening day of the exhibit, 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday, February 22, and she will give a gallery talk about the exhibit around 3.30 that day. The exhibit, reception, and talk are all free and open to the public. Pianist Mark Valeni will perform at 7.30 on Friday, February 15 in Dahl Chapel and Auditorium. He'll play pieces by Beethoven, Stravinsky, Debussy, and Chopin. Ann Suda, who's the daughter of Monmouth Music faculty member Carolyn Suda and Professor Emeritus David Suda, will perform on February 21. She's half of the Los Angeles-based duo Salisimo. That's the next event in the Maple Leaf Community Concert Series. The concert will be at 7 p.m. on Friday, February 22. That's also in the Dahl Chapel Auditorium. You can read more about all of those events in the news section of the Monmouth College website. And, of course, that address is monmouthcollege.edu slash news. The issues of food and faith will be discussed at a special lecture that will be held on Wednesday, February 20. Theologian, the Reverend Dr. Patricia Tull, will speak about Daily Bread for All, a lecture on food and faith, at 7 o'clock in the evening, again on February 20. It will be held in the Whiteman McMillan Highlander Room in the Stockdale Student Center. The program is free and open to the public. Patricia Tull is a former professor of Old Testament studies at the Louisville Theological Seminary. She's now a preacher, teacher, and workshop leader. Her talk is the result of the good work of 
Monmouth Associate Chaplain, the Reverend Jessica Hawkinson. Jessica does an incredible job running the Lux Summer Theological Institute for Youth for high school students. She says the idea for this lecture grew out of discussions that have taken place during the Lux Institute for Youth. So this is kind of an extension of the um, experiment we're trying with the Lux Summer Theological Institute for Youth. Our first theme um, two years ago for the summer was um, feast or famine, thinking theologically about um, food justice and, and, um, and, and also food security. And so we're kind of extending it now to the Monmouth College community. We have a spectacular uh, food security program here on campus, and my interest is in um, bringing in a theological perspective to that work and offering that through our guest lecture. So um, both Old Testament and New Testament um, background, if you're in the Christian or Jewish tradition, food is a central component of, of both of those scriptural texts. And so this is kind of a, a return, um, a look back into those ethical and religious traditions to see um, what, what they have to say about uh, the role of food in our, in our common life. Jessica says that scripture provides both an historical context for the purpose of food, as well as guidance about how to approach the intersection of food and faith today. Earliest biblical stories envision food as um, something that's a gift that's uh, not a commodity in the, in the way that we often see it used today. Um, it's a basic right to be shared by all people. Um, God provides food for God's people in the wilderness, um, not as something to be bought and sold, but as something to meet the, the needs and the nourishment of, of people. So um, and those, those understandings, uh, our speaker sort of understands um, to be uh, a crucial conversation point around our global food, food systems now. So to think um, theologically means to critically examine the way that food structures and food systems work now. Um, and and I think we'll have us uh, imagining something that looks very different. So um, she's interested to look through a theological lens at um, major systems of inequality in our food systems around the world. Why do some people have plenty to eat and others um, don't have enough? Those are uh, theological questions in addition to basic questions of human rights. Jessica says th that it's important to think about food and faith for several reasons. So I think for me and my position and then for many people of faith, um, if we want to take our ethical and religious traditions seriously, what they have to say about um, the way that we live our lives, it's not just uh, sort of theoretical advice that I think scripture texts call us to um, live out a grander vision of what our human relationships could look like, what our relationship to creation looks like. Um, and so I think that's why it's especially important to have that uh, perspective and, and that, uh, that frame of reference. Jessica says that food and faith became important to her because of her work here at Monmouth College. Here it's been most important um, because food is so much a, a culture of um, of what Monmouth has to offer um, in all of its uh, agricultural and um, sort of food systems um, here as a, a town. So I think coming into the Monmouth College program, into the community, food something that's central to this place. Um, but then personally, I think uh, over the couple of years that I've been here to see the high school students we have um, with the Summer Institute come with curiosities and interest in 
um, in the topic of food security and theology. That's been inspiring to me. Um, but also just sort of in my own vocational um, curiosities, the, the fact that food is so central to our human relationships and um, the, the thing we need to survive, that has a, um, that's a theological imperative to consider. And looking ahead to this summer, Jessica says the Lux Summer Theological Institute for Youth is poised for another big two weeks. So we are headed back to our second year of hunger and poverty, food security issues. So our uh, 2019 theme is um, a place at the table thinking theologically about hunger and poverty. And so we're returning to that uh, food security theme. So we're um, excited about that. And we have a full cohort of 22 high school students coming from all around the country with a waiting list. So we're really excited to uh, welcome our students here for this summer in June. That's Mammoth Associate Chaplain, the Reverend Jessica Hawkinson, previewing the February 20 talk about food and faith that will be given by theologian, the Reverend Dr. Patricia Tull. You can read more about it in the news section of the Monmouth College website, monmouthcollege.edu slash news. This is the Monmouth College 1853 podcast, and I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. The mythological character Hercules has loomed large in Western politics for more than 2,000 years. That will be the topic of this year's Fox Lecture. Hercules, Politicus, and Art, the mythic hero as political role model from Alexander the Great to Vladimir Putin. The lecture will be given at 7.30 in the evening on Monday, February 18, in the Petit Auditorium of the Center for Science and Business, and of course it's free and open to the public. This year's Fox Lecture will be given by Monmouth Professor Emeritus of Classics Tom Sinkowitz. For Tom, giving the lectures kind of coming full circle. That's because for more than 30 years, he directed the Fox Lecture Program, which is named in honor of the legendary professor Bernice Fox, who left her estate to support the college's classics department. This, I was actually responsible for starting this lecture series because when I came to Monmouth in 1984, Bernice Fox had been retired for a few years and I felt like she hadn't been recognized sufficiently for all the work she had done to keep the department going and uh, maintaining a classics program. And I, I should add here that as far as I know, classics has been part of the Monmouth curriculum since its founding. Uh, and until the 1930s, students had to take either Latin or Greek to graduate. Uh, but so Bernice, Bernice was the mainstay of the department from the four, from the f late 40s, the 50s, 60s, 70s, and, and retired early, it, about 1980, I think it was. And so when I came to the college, I thought it was very important for uh, for Bernice to feel like she is recognized, but also it would be good for the classics to program to have a major lecture every year. So uh, we, we established the Bernice Fox Lecture, and Bernice was the first person to give the lecture. Uh, and for many years, uh, I, I invited her, her, um, her former students and colleagues to, uh, to give the lecture so that there was a, gave her a chance to, to, meet, go, uh, 
to have them come back to campus and she could chat with them, but also I think it was it, it created a really nice tie between uh, the the college and the, and its alumni. I would I think there are several uh, former students of hers who gave lectures. I'd have to look at the list to count how many there actually were, uh, and so. Um, I think I'm the last person alive who hadn't given uh, the lecture who knew Bernice and was her, was her friend, and so I feel like this is kind of the the a, a very important endpoint uh, in 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 the in the series of lectures. And from now on, it will be people who have no connection with Bernice anymore. In his Fox lecture, Tom says he will explore how Hercules has been woven into Western politics over the centuries. And what I'm going to be doing is focusing on the way uh, Hercules appears in political contexts, uh, starting from the time of Alexander the Great to the present. So I'll begin with Alexander, and I'll end with Vladimir Putin. Powerful people, kings, and uh, politicians have used her, have tried to associate themselves with Hercules to show how strong and powerful they are as, as, as uh, leaders of their country. So associate Alexander the Great, for example, put Hercules on his coins because he claimed to be descended from Hercules and also he was, a, he was as great as Hercules. And, and that, that tradition continues into the 20th century. For example, Mussolini did the same thing. He produced a coin in which he himself was, was Hercules. He wears the lion skin over his head the way Hercules does. Tom says there's a simple reason that Hercules has figured so prominently into political discourse over the years. Uh, there is always a debate on who's the best of the of the Greek heroes, but the thing about Hercules that's a, particularly attractive is he's eventually deified in the tradition. Uh, when he dies, he's he's brought up to Mount Olympus and made a god. That's Monmouth Professor Emeritus of Classics Tom Sinkowitz. He will give this year's Fox Lecture at 7.30 in the evening on Monday, February 18, in the Petit Auditorium of the Center for Science and Business. To read more about the lecture, check out the story on the cover of the Monmouth College website, monmouthcollege.edu. Before we get into this week's athletic segment, a reminder of the many ways in which you can follow Monmouth College throughout the social media spectrum. The college's main Facebook page is facebook.com slash monmouthcollege. The college's main Twitter account is at Monmouth, and the college is on Instagram at Monmouth College. If you're on Snapchat, be sure to follow Monmouth on Snapchat at This Is Monmouth. And for some music that will help you get through the rest of winter, Check out Monmouth College on Spotify for its recommendations. With one game remaining in the basketball regular season, the postseason picture is pretty clear for the Fighting Scots men's and women's basketball teams. On Wednesday night, in Glenny Gymnasium, the women's team fell to visiting Cornell 70-64 in overtime. The men won one of the more thrilling games of the season when Will Carius hit a shot with eight seconds on the clock for a 69-67 win over Cornell. Both teams finished their regular seasons on Saturday afternoon in Glenny Gymnasium with a doubleheader against St. Norbert College. Helping us make sense of the postseason picture and making it a bit more clear is the person who always makes Fighting Scots athletics come into focus, 
Mama Sports Information Director Dan Nolan, the man behind MamaScots.com. That's your official spot on the World Wide Web for all things Fighting Scots related. Despite the overtime loss suffered by the women's team on Wednesday night, Dan says their postseason outlook remains pretty much unchanged. Uh, Wednesday night, uh, the women uh, got out to a, a big start, uh, really were on fire right out of the gate against Cornell, but uh, kind of cooled off at halftime, and, and uh, Cornell, to their credit, came back and, and uh, took the lead in the fourth quarter, their first lead of the game, and uh, came back and, and, and beat us in overtime. Uh, so for the women, that, that hurt, but uh, in, in the standings-wise, uh, really didn't have much of an impact. Uh, Ripon won last night, so they wrapped up the regular uh, season and title. So right now it's just a battle of uh, where we're going to be in the seeds for the conference tournament. Uh, I believe we can be no worse than third, uh, could be second. Uh, so really it, it's uh, right now it's it's uh, ripping on top. Uh, we're in second. Lake Forest is in third. Uh, and then uh, Knox and St. Norbert are tied for fourth. So it's really a battle between those two to see who's going to get in. And, and uh, you know, if, if things play out the way they look right now, uh, we're probably going to wind up playing uh, Lake Forest, whether it be a, as a two seed or a three seed. Uh, but the big thing is we're in, and, and that's, the, that's the important thing. It's not how you get there. It's what you do after you get there that matters. For the men's basketball team, Dan says it all comes down to Saturday afternoon. I'll tell you what, the, the men's game was, uh, that, that was probably the most entertaining game I've ever been a part of. I think we had 24 lead changes, 16 ties. Uh, nobody really uh, took uh, control of that one. And, you know, it came down to the very end, and, and uh, we got the ball to Will Carius. Uh, coach uh, called a timeout and set the play up, and uh, I, I Probably no one in the gym uh, didn't know who was going to get the ball for the last shot, and and uh, DJ got uh, got Will the ball up on the uh, top of the key, and and he just drove the lane and, and put the shot up and in as he's done so many times this year. Uh, so that was great to see uh, Will, and 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 before the game started, we announced that he had eclipsed the 1,000 point mark in his career. He, he scored a bunch up at uh, Northern Michigan, and uh, he's got a 600 and some odd points uh, here. So he's over the 1,000 point mark in his career. Couldn't be happier for him, but. I really, you know, uh, after the start we had in, in December, uh, didn't get out of the gate very fast, but uh, had a great January, and we're playing pretty good ball down the stretch now too. So uh, we're in it uh, with one game to go, and that's you know that's the best you can hope for for any season is to be there at the end. Two things uh, to remember: uh, a Monmouth win on Saturday against St. Norbert, and we're in or a rip and loss to Knox on Saturday, and we're in. We hold the head-to-head tiebreaker uh, by virtue of sweeping uh, Ripon. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, we've got that tiebreaker, and, and uh, we just need to, need to have that tie. Or, or uh, as again, you know, simple uh, math, we win, we're in. Ripon loses, we're in. It's, it's an either-or. Uh, it'd be nice to have both. While the Monmouth men's basketball teams are jockeying for postseason position, Coach Tom Burek will lead the Monmouth swimming and diving teams into their postseason. They'll compete in the Midwest Conference Championships this weekend over at Grinnell College. And Dan says he expects some Scots records to fall. Uh, Coach Burek always seems to have the guys and gals ready to go, uh, so we're, we're expecting uh, nothing different this year. Uh, he's thinking on the men's side, fourth is very doable, and maybe uh, 
third would be uh, a shot if, if we get some uh, really great performances. Uh, so we don't have a huge squad, and, and that's where we're missing some of the points, but uh, still we can get some quality swims. Uh, Preston Bokey is back uh, as a, a two-time conference champion. He's just a sophomore. And then uh, we've got a freshman this year, Andrew Shy, that looks like uh, he might be a, a challenger for one, two, or even three uh, conference championships. So we'll see what happens there. And on the women's side, Miranda Paskey, it looks like she's in, in a good spot to be in a top eight finish. And then uh, Coach Burek's also thinking maybe a freshman, Marissa Logan, uh, could also uh, do something in, in the uh, distance events. So we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, every year they rewrite the record book at the conference meet. So, you know, we're expecting 20, 25 uh, new records or, or personal bests set this weekend. That's Mama's Sports Information Director Dan Nolan, the man behind MamaScots.com. Don't forget, you can follow all of Monmouth College Athletics on Twitter, MC Fighting Scots. And that's going to be a 30 for this 20th edition of Monmouth College's 1853 podcast of the 2018-19 school year. I hope you've enjoyed this program. Tell us what you think by firing off an email to us at news at monmouthcollege.edu. Be sure to put podcast in the subject line. Until our next edition, this is Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Thanks so much for listening. So long, everybody, and have a nice day. <laughs>